today we're going to be continuing on uh, the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth talks about um, God's hesed, his unfailing love. Last week we saw the example of God's hesed or his unfailing love through uh, Naomi and Ruth. That, mo- Ruth. that Naomi was a mother and a daughter and Ruth is a daughter who really have lost everything in this world. And yet they continue to express this uh, generous, unselfish love of God, God's hesed that they expressed towards one another. Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. Ruth lost her husband, and she left her home in order to care for her widowed mother-in-law. And these two now, they're traveling back to Bethlehem. Now, Naomi, she knows that she failed to obey God by leaving her homeland. And, and she was, they, were, they were leaving as a family to try to go to greener pastures, escape from God, and uh, she believes now that all her sorrow and, and all of her struggles are going to be these consequences of her failure, that this is now her life, that, 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 that God now is against her, or God is punishing her for the things that she has done. That's her belief. Ruth, on the other hand, she's just turned to God. She barely knows who this God is, and yet she has, is going to learn about how wonderful and how forgiving uh, God really is and what that will mean to her. So as we look at this next chapter in their spiritual journey, we're going to learn about, again, God's faithful love. And we're going to see how that faithful love affects each one of our lives as well. So I'd like you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? And this is the word of God from Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man by the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go in the field and glean among the ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find favor. And so she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went to glean in the fields after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, Lord be with you. And they answered, Lord bless you. And Boaz said to his young men who were in charge of the reapers, he said, whose who's young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves among the reapers. So she came and has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then Ruth fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this passage, we're going to see that that we must persevere in faithful love because we believe that God makes sure that what goes around comes around. 
Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at the life of Hagar. This is a while back, and we saw that when it comes to sin, our own personal sin, it's not just how it affects us, but it affects everyone around us, that there are consequences for the poor choices that we may make in our lives. Well, today we're going to see kind of the joyful corollary of that, or the contrast of that, they say that, that when we bless people, when we bless others, when we seek to honor God with his love, that everyone around us, including us, will be blessed. That when we act with kindness and love, when we seek to live out this faithful love of God, that we bring the blessing of God to really everyone around us. This is not a, a karma thing because we hear this like in the world, you know, you do certain, if you do good, then good's going to happen to you. Or if you do positive things, that's just a good thing to do. No, this is actually talking about God. This is saying that God responds, that he actively visits his blessing upon our lives and the lives of others around us when we seek to bless others. And so the first element of this principle of Hesed is that there is no such thing as coincidence. Now, coincidence is the idea kind of like luck or chance that works out in a very unusual way. In fact, it's defined as a remarkable concurrence of uh, events or circumstances without an apparent causal connection, meaning these things kind of suddenly work together in a way that's not uh, by a cause, not, not by intent. For example, if you bump into an old friend that you have, have, haven't seen for a long time, maybe it's an old high school friend or old college friend in a coffee shop, and you say, whoa, what a coincidence that we happen to be in this place together. Let's, let's have coffee. You'd say that's a coincidence. Now, if you had called your friend and arranged to meet them at the coffee shop and you met them there, you wouldn't say, oh, what a coincidence that we're here together. No, you'd say, no, it was planned. There was a cause for why the two of you are in this place together. And so here in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, the writer is letting us know that what is about to happen is not a coincidence. It's something that was planned. In verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So we're introduced to Boaz from the very beginning, saying that he's going to be an integral part of what's going to happen in the next few verses. So there's a sense again of plan here. Verse 12, Go, my daughter. Uh, Naomi says to Ruth, Go, my daughter. So Ruth set out, went to glean in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who happened to be of the clan of Elimelech. So he's saying that the writer is saying here, is using the word just happened, is kind of like an irony saying, we know that this is not by chance. We know that this is not luck. There is something going on here. The author makes it very clear, God has a plan. The author has, makes it very clear that he's at work in these circumstances. The author says that, that Boaz is a relative of Naomi's late husband. He owns a field, and out of all the hundreds of fields that, Naomi, that Ruth could have gone to on that day to find food, uh, she just happened to come 
to Boaz, who just happened to be the relative that she didn't know about. Now, I want to go back just a little bit uh, to talk about what Ruth is actually doing here. See, Israel back in that time had a kind of a welfare program. And what, according to the law, widows and orphans were allowed to go into private fields and they were allowed to glean and take the leftovers from the harvest. And so harvesters, people who own their fields, they're not supposed to like, completely uh, reap their fields dry, like pick up every single stalk of wheat. They're supposed to kind of reap once and then go on to the next part. And whatever they missed or whatever fell on the ground, the poor, by law, are allowed to come onto the grounds and pick up all the stuff. So you'd have all the poor waiting around the field for the reapers to go through. And once the reapers go through, then all the poor would just run and try to get as much. They'd fight each other to try to get as much food that they can. And the reason is because they're taking this food just to survive. That's how they they get their food each day. And so by law, this is what was set up. And so Ruth says, I'm going to go. Let me go to this field, to whatever field that's going to let me go. And, um, oh, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. And um, let me go ahead and glean. So she says, uh, whoever I find favor, meaning that even though this law is in, in, in effect, people don't actually follow this law. That there are some people that are actually very unkind. There are some people that will kick you off of the field. There are some people that say, hey, get off of my field. And especially for her, she is a foreigner. So they wouldn't want her, hey, this food is for Israelites, not for you guys. You know? And they would kick her. They would, there's a danger or a, a risk that she's going to get kicked off the field, that they're not going to have any food to eat that day. And so Ruth goes out by faith, and, um, and she goes to the field to work to provide for Naomi, to, to have dinner that night, basically. That's why she's going. And so it says in the, in the next verse... And there's a lot of coincidences here. She just happens to go to Boaz's field, who just happens to be of the tribe of Elimelech. And just at that time, right at that time, Boaz just happened to be going to the field. Who He's the owner of the field. Normally, the owners of the field, they don't go out to the field to talk to their workers. They just get the money and, and the stuff from the workers. But it just happened that he was the type of guy who would go out into the field and interact and encourage his workers. And just when Ruth is picking up her stuff to eat, he just happens to <coughs> be walking on the field. And of all the hundreds of poor that are scavenging food, he happens to notice Ruth. And so the, the, the author is saying that there's all these coincidences that are happening, and he's just basically saying there's no such thing as coincidence, that God is orchestrating all these things. God moved Ruth to this field. God moved Boaz to be the type of person to be going out on the field right at that time. God just happened to uh, make Boaz turn his eyes a certain direction and see Ruth and say, who's that person over there that, that the author is highlighting and saying that, that, that God has a plan. God has a design. He's working in Ruth. He's working in Naomi. He's working in Boaz. He's working in all these things to bring about blessing. Now, there's a certain movie with a certain character who has the power of time manipulation. And he, during this point in the movie, he's shaking his head around going like this. And then they say, what are you doing? And he goes, I've worked out 14 million scenarios in my head. And only one of them will work. 
And that's like a key thing. Well, that's why I won't tell you the movie because it's a spoiler. But anyways, and he says, I've worked out 14 million scenarios in my head. Like 14 million possibilities of how this is going to come out. And then they say, how many, well, which one do we actually survive? One. And they're like, oh my gosh, only one? And so this is kind of like discerning God's will. He's like discerning God's will. Because, see, God, in his mind, he's worked out all the possibilities of providing for future for Ruth. And he's saying, out of all the hundreds of things that could happen, I'm going to do it this way. I have this plan. Uh, they're going to do these things in order for Ruth uh, to, to bring about the greatest blessing for the kingdom of God. That's the will of God. God says, I've worked out 20 billion possibilities in my mind of how to bring about the forgiveness of sin in the world and how to reconcile man to God. I've worked out so many possibilities of what could happen and what we could do, and there's only one way. There's only one way out of 20 million possibilities it's going to work, and that is I'm going to sacrifice my son, my only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to bring about the forgiveness of sin. This is the only scenario. And then every single person in history has to move to that. Every single cause and effect has to work. Hundreds of prophecies about the birth of Jesus and, and all the ministry has to be fulfilled all at one time in one place in order for God's great salvation to be offered to mankind. Who can do this? God can do this. God is not just saying, I can picture all this. He's saying, I can control of all of these things so that I can bring salvation, the offer of salvation to every single person in the world if they hear the gospel and receive him as Jesus and receive him as Savior. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. Only God can do it. That's the sovereignty of God. See, we might say, well, uh, the reason that I am who I am or where I am is because I did this, I did that, I, I made uh, these, uh, these, these, these choices. Uh, uh, this, this is why I'm, I'm better than those people because I saved money and I studied hard and, and I had parents who, you know, who provided things for me and when I had the opportunities, I worked so hard and I didn't give up and I wasn't lazy and, and all these things and that's why my kids are so well-behaved, and they do all these things because I did this, and I did that, and I was this type of parent, and I did all these things, and I have a job because of this, and they don't have jobs because they didn't do this. You know, we, we say, that's all me. That's all the things that I do. And, and really, in the sovereignty of God, in light of the sovereignty of God, we couldn't be more wrong. The sovereignty of God says, it's God. He is the only reason why you are where you are right now. Everything that has happened is in accordance with his plan according to God's careful design. That's not just the things that go on in the Bible. That's our lives, everything that goes on in our lives, everything that goes on in our world. If, if it were not for God, God is the one who chose to birth you in the country uh, where you're born. God is the one who, who chose your parents. God is the one who gave you those opportunities. God is the one who gave you those gifts. God is the one who gave you those passions. 
nations that, that Daphne was talking about. God is the one who kept you from being overcome by tragedy and catastrophe or calamity uh, in this world. All these things are because of God. They're not because of chance. They're not because of us. So in these first few verses, the first thing we see is that uh, God's faithful love tells us that God is in control over all circumstances, over all people, even good and bad. He's working themselves out right now for my blessing and for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that we are seeing from the book of Ruth. And we see that, what's going on in Ruth, that... um, that he's controlling all these things. Now, you may be here and, and you may be saying, yeah, that's great, but, but God, um, no thanks. I, 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 don't, I don't like your plan. I don't like the things that are going on in my life right now. I don't like the fact that, I, that this is the future that I'm looking to. And, 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 you know, of course, there are a lot of things in our lives that we don't like, that are really hard. And I'm sure Ruth, if she had the choice... If Ruth had a choice, she would say, God, I don't want to be a widow for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't want to have to be at the mercy of others each day just to pick up my food for, for the day to eat so that I'm going to survive or have something to eat today. I'm sure Ruth did not want that type of will for her life. But as a reader, we have the benefit of seeing God's plan unfold. Uh, we know that there's going to be a fantastic, unbelievable result for Ruth, for Naomi, for Boaz, and, 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 and it's just a matter of, 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 of her waiting and, and seeing that, that, that plan work out into its fullest. And so, so that's the benefit that we have. And, and the, the, the challenge now for us is that we now have the choice to accept by faith to say, I believe that this is also true about my life about God's plans for my life as well. That God is asking me to be patient, to, to work uh, with, with, with a faithful love of God, to show that faithful love of God, despite whatever the circumstances right now, whatever God's plan, however it's working in my life right now, that, uh, that I will continue to choose to respond with faithful love towards others because I believe that, that, that God is, is working in our lives. Uh, God, uh, you know, no matter what you're going through right now, um, we need to realize that, that, that God is working in these circumstances. Even if, we've made, even if you feel like the, some of the things that are in my life are because of my choices, the consequences, you know, I made some bad choices, I did some bad things, people tell me it's all my fault. It's true, we take responsibility for our choices, but at the same time, we, we cannot discount the fact to say, hey, but God continues to work in our lives. He is going to use those consequences to bring about something very special as we continue to follow him, as we continue to honor him. If we look at our lives and say, I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. I don't feel like I've done anything to deserve what's happening to me. Again, um, that's, not, that's not how the world works. God says the things that happen to you, sometimes they have nothing to do with what we have done or what we deserve. But rather, they're just a matter of, of God saying, I have a plan for your life. Every single child of God 
I have a plan for your life, and, and I'm working out that plan right now for your blessing. And, and so we look at this, and we may ask, well, what prevents us from having kind of a fatalistic worldview? A fatalistic worldview would be like, well, okay, if God has everything planned, then why should I do anything? Uh, why should I try to do anything good? Because, you know, whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. So whatever I do doesn't really matter. That's kind of fatalistic. But that brings us really to the second point of God's hesed. And that is that small acts of kindness eventually make a reputation of kindness. That's the second thing we learn from the book of Ruth. You know, it's, it's really interesting that in this book, there's a lot said about reputation. Because Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Uh, don't call me pleasant and beautiful. Call me Mara, bitter. So she's saying, that's my reputation now. Don't say I'm, my reputation is beautiful and wonderful and, and, and happy. Say that my reputation now is bitter. Let everyone who sees me know that, know that I'm bitter. Uh, and, and in the first verse of the chapter, it says that, that um, Boaz was a worthy man, that that was his reputation. This word worthy actually literally means a mighty man of valor. This was used for David's mighty men who did these great works of battle. And they're saying Boaz is like this mighty man of valor. We say, well, how is it that um, Boaz, that that's his reputation? What does that mean? Well, in verse 6, we'll, we learn more about it. In verse 6, it says, here's a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So technically, that's her um, reputation from Moab. And Moab is always seen as, oh, those are all terrible, sinful, ungodly people. But they say, no, but this is her reputation. She um, has come and she's been working so hard faithfully uh, to care for her mother uh, who has lost her husband and she hasn't taken a rest since to, uh, uh, to stop. That She has been so concerned about providing for her mom uh, that she's been working all day in the field. And see, uh, they say uh, uh, that this is really her reputation. It's an illustration. It's a reminder that, that all the cumulative effects of our isolated actions build up a reputation. Because you look at Ruth... And she doesn't, she's not doing anything like spotlight worthy. It's not like, ooh, you know, look at her, look at what she's doing. Wow, you know, this great thing. Um, she's just acting in humble grace. She's just saying, they said, she said, let me please glean in your field. Meaning she's humbly asking them, can, can I please uh, glean in your field? And she has been, and everything that she's been doing now has been acting in love you know, to care for her mother. She came, everybody knows, she came back with Naomi to take care of her. And now the first day back, she's out in the field already. She's worked all day to, to provide for her mother. And this is like her, um, her uh, reputation because of these simple acts of love that she's been expressing, and everybody knows about them. And so Boaz, he now responds uh, very... Um, Graciously as well. And he proves now his reputation as a godly man. In verse 8, he tells him, says, don't, she tells her, don't glean in another field. Meaning, come back here every single time. Come back to my, my field every single time, and I'm always going to provide you a good place. I, I make sure that, 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 uh, that my men will, will not harass you, will not hurt you, they'll protect you. Whenever you're thirsty, you can come and get water. This is not required by the law, but he is doing this because he has recognized her reputation of being a godly person, blessing, a, a person of blessing, and now he is showing his reputation of blessing 
by doing these things as well. Then she, Ruth, fell on her face, bowing down, saying, why, um, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Now, this is actually like her saying to God, okay, she's a foreigner, she's not Jewish, and she's asking God, why have I found favor in your eyes, God, that you should take notice of me? Even though she's saying this to Boaz, it's like a, a, a statement to God, that you would notice me, a, a foreigner, a Moabite, a person who's not of your people, but yet you are showing this love to me. And Boaz says, uh, everything's been told to me. I know exactly what you do. This is reputation. And this is a challenge for us to say everything that we're doing is, is building a reputation, not just of us, but of Jesus. In seminary, I had a, I had a, there were a lot of international students who lived with us in the dorm. And there's one friend, he's from Nigeria, named David. His name was David, and we were just hanging out. And I said, hey, Cutman, which is his nickname, uh, because his nickname, his, his African name actually means circumcision, so we actually had a lot of fun with that. And we just call him Cutman all the time. Say, hey, Cutman, you know, don't get too close to me, you know, or anything like that. And we said, hey, I said, hey, Cutman, what have you, you know, do you guys get U.S. television, uh, American television overseas? He goes, oh, yeah, well, we only get one channel, we only get one program. I said, well, what's that? He goes, oh, we got WWF. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's no WWF now, it's WWE. And so he says, yeah, and I, I watched that, and I thought, man, Americans are just crazy. And I was like, oh, man. I could just only imagine what's going on through this guy's head when he's thinking, you know, the only representation of America is like, you know, Macho Man, Randy Savage, George the Animal Steel, and the Ultimate Warrior. And, you know, beating each other up and just doing all these crazy things. But yet what's happening here is that reputation becomes representation. Okay? Our reputation becomes a representation of Jesus. Because people may say, well, I don't know anything about church. I've never been to a church. In fact, the only thing that I've seen of a church is you. Oh. So what do they see? What is, what is the representation of Jesus now that people will see through my life when I go to work? When, when, I, when I see them uh, in the neighborhood, when I go to school. Uh, little acts of love, acts of kindness become a reputation of kindness. Acts of honesty and honor become a reputation of honor. Acts of pride and selfishness can become a reputation of pride. Acts of rudeness and inconsideration can become a reputation of rudeness. Acts of anger and judgmentalism can become a reputation of anger. But a reputation, but acts of love and kindness and hesed become a reputation of, 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 of kindness, of goodness. And this reputation becomes a representation of Jesus. And this becomes a question to us now, what will Jesus be in the minds of people around you? If you are the only Christian that they see because they don't go to church and the only other Christians they see are on TV, which are, you know, we all know it's terrible on TV. So the real Christian that they meet, the real Jesus that they meet, the only one is you. What goes on in their minds about Jesus based on what they know of you, how they see you, how you act, what you say to them? how you uh, uh, treat other people. And, and that's a, a real challenge. And, and so we sit there, we sit and we say, hey, you know, God is sovereign. He has a plan for our lives. A reputation 
becomes representation. We are representing Jesus Christ wherever we go. The final thing about God's hesed is that blessing always comes around. You look at verse 12, Boaz says to Ruth, um, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. Full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, this is interesting because this is, again, he is saying these words, but he's kind of like saying it on God's behalf. This is like God saying to Ruth, Ruth saying, why have you uh, considered me a foreigner who does not deserve your love at all, does not deserve any of your blessings? And this is God's answer. I'm repaying you for what you've done. I'm giving you full reward because you have left your family and your gods and your people to come and find refuge under God's wings, under the God of Israel's wings. And what's also interesting here is that uh, Boaz says to Ruth, you know, may God repay you for the wings that you have come under the wings. Now, this is just so that for the next week, wings actually means also the corner of one's garment, which is really interesting. It says, under whose wing you have taken refuge under. It's the same thing as the corner of a garment. Like if somebody comes next to you and you take your garment and you put it over them, that's the same word as wings. And that's this image of this bird that's tenderly caring for her young. And Boaz is saying, may God bless you. May God repay you by taking you under his wing of love. Next week, we're going to see that Boaz actually takes Ruth under the corner of his coat as protection. Now, we're going to learn about that next week, but what's really ironic here is that God is saying, hey, Boaz, you, brought this, you said this blessing. You're saying that reward's going to come from somewhere. Guess what? It's coming from you. Guess what? Um, you're going to be blessed by this too. She's going to be blessed. Naomi's going to be blessed. Everybody's going to be, everybody's going to be blessed by you. And uh, this is the thing that's like really cool about this blessing of God is that um, when we build a reputation uh, of, of love and blessing, God just lets the blessing flow. It just goes to everybody. It's like when you're reading, when you're reading this book, you just get this sense that every single person in this book is like... There's just like God's blessing is just like pouring out on them uh, through his sovereign will. Like nobody knows what they're doing. Uh, not nobody knows what they're doing, but nobody knows that what they're doing is God's will. They're like, I'm just trying to be kind to somebody who is kind. I'm just trying to wish somebody good for the goodness that they've done. I'm just trying to take care of my mom because that's my duty. Uh, and, and, and they're just trying to do things that are kind. And God's saying, guess what? Uh, I'm just going to pour my blessing on you. Uh, every single one of you just going to have blessing, more blessing on you. This is just like this picture of, of God saying, here's some blessing for you. And, oh, you want some more blessing? Here, you have some blessing too. And boom, it's this picture of this blessing just coming out over all these people who have suffered so much, who had so much struggle and trial, who felt like they have no hope in their lives, that they have ruined their lives. Literally, Naomi says, I've ruined my life. God will forever be against me for the things that I have done. I will never see God's goodness upon my life again. And God says, surprise. Because the one thing that you brought back with you, Ruth, She's like, Jesus, she's just going to pour the blessing on you. The one person that you forgot and didn't think too much of, 
It's like Jesus. That, that we looked on him and didn't see anything that would attract us to him. And yet he would be the one through which God would pour all his blessing out upon this world, upon this people. And God's saying in this story of Ruth, the things that Ruth has done, her kindness may not seem like much, but she sacrificed everything. She gave up everything to give this love to one person. And look at how God's blessing has poured out upon all these people. Boaz, Naomi, uh, Ruth, the, everyone. How blessed it is. They're, they're celebrating at the end of the book. They are celebrating with Naomi because of what God has done in, in, in their lives, pouring out blessing on people who just are willing to love. Remember, Naomi showed her love by saying to Ruth, please go back, don't come back to me. So Naomi too is showing unselfish love and she too receives blessing for the way that she blesses others. Blessing always comes around. If we bless others, if we're not thinking about, oh, I'm doing this so that I'm going to get all this back, or I'm going to do this so that everyone knows, and blah, blah, blah. No, it's just loving other people, just blessing other people, just giving an opportunity when we have opportunity to say kind words to someone, to do something kind for someone, to, to wish someone, say, I'm praying for you that, that, that God will be part of your life and, and God will take care of you and God may say, hey, I'm going to make you the one whose wings, who's going to cover them and care for them and be that blessing for them. But whatever, whoever it's going to be, that blessing is just going to keep coming out and coming out. Why? Because my people, because my people are willing to come together and show this love of Hesed, this love of God continually everywhere they go. This is, this is living hope. Living hope can be a place of blessing where every single person feels the blessing of God just pouring out on their lives. Why? Because if we as individuals, we continue to pour out God's blessing, every opportunity we have to just one person, just one person this week, to one person on Friday, to another person or, or during the week to, to pray for them, to sing, sing psalms and hymns to them, to, to love them, to put an arm around them and say, you know, I'm thinking about you. That's hesed. That's hesed. Every single one of us doing that, God will say, I'm going to pour blessing on your life. You go to work, you see somebody down and said, hey, you know, I've been thinking about you. What's, what's up? You know, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? That's, that's bringing hesed to the workplace. God's going to pour his blessing on you, on the workplace. You go to school and you see a friend who, who's, who's saying, man, my parents are having such struggle and I'm really worried, I'm afraid. And you say, hey, you know, I love you. God loves you. I'm going to pray for you. Don't worry. You know, we're going to get through this. I'm going to stick with you. And if you have any problems, just call me. We're going to hang out or whatever. And, and we show that love. That's blessing that you're pouring on that person's life. God's going to pour blessing on his life or her life, going to pour blessing on that school. Neighborhood, when we do things and meet people when they first move in and we say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. If you need anything, uh, this is, I'm, you know, this and that, come over. And, oh, you have kids? If you need babysitting, I'll come over, whatever. That's hesed. We pour hesed into the lives of others. Neighborhood, God's blessing and pour over all of our neighborhood. When we as individuals, we do these one, two, three little things each week to show the hesed of God, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God, just, just to one another person. And, and, and this, this is what the, the book of Ruth uh, really tells us together. And so um, let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's close in prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we praise and we thank you because um, indeed you have a wonderful